BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. You know, we've got the Mueller report. And the ways that Bill Barr lied to us, he completely failed to mention, shall we say, that Donald Trump's campaign was expecting to benefit from Russian interference in the campaign. And in fact, this is a quote from the actual Mueller report. Although the investigation established that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and work to secure that outcome, and that the campaign expected that it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts. Barr went on to say it's up to him to make the decision on the obstruction of justice. No, Mueller is fairly clear it's up to Congress. The Department of Justice has a policy of not prosecuting sitting presidents. He basically lied about Trump's actions that could be construed as obstruction of justice. He said Mueller found no collusion. That was uh, an absolute lie. He says Trump fully cooperated with the investigation. Um, <laughs> that was a lie. In fact, Trump went you know, 16 ways to Sunday to not cooperate with the investigation. In fact, DU's uh, graphic at the top here today, these are literally from... Trump's answers to Mueller's questions. This is from the appendix to the Mueller report. These are the answers that Trump gave to the questions that Mueller asked. I have no independent recollection. I do not recall being aware. I have no recollection of being told. I have no recollection of being told. I don't remember the date. I have no recollection. I do not recall being aware. I don't recall any having any discussion. I have no recollection of being told. I don't recall being told. I have no recollection of the specifics. I don't recall having any discussion. I don't recall being aware. I don't. I, I do not recall. I don't remember discussing it. I did not recall being aware. I vaguely remember. I have no current recollection. I do not remember. I don't remember being aware. I don't remember. I don't recall being told. I have no recollection of the details. I don't remember. These are Trump's answers to the questions. Meanwhile, Eric Prince clearly lied to Congress about his meeting in the Seychelles. And Democrats are talking about bringing this guy back. Of course, he no longer lives in the United States. He's, he's hiding out outside the country. He is Betsy DeVos's brother, after all. I mean, you know, billionaires can pretty much live wherever they want, I suppose. Um, but uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing that this is going on. The summary, basically, of the Mueller report, Mark Sumner over at Daily Kos, just one of the best writers there is. He just does such a great job for Daily Kos. And he lays it out. 
this is, you know, just his summary of the Mueller summary, and I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better, so I'm just going to quote Mark Sumner. Number one, Russia was out to help Trump and regarded his victory as a win for them. And I, I would add the reasons why is, the reasons why are fairly obvious. Trump wanted to build a, a hotel in Russia. He submitted the application to build it a month after he announced that he was running for president. He was working, him and Michael Cohen were aggressively working on building Trump Tower in Moscow throughout the campaign. So the Russians, hey, you know, have a president who wants to have a business in our capital city. I mean, you know, if I was Russian, I'd say, cool, wouldn't you? Number two, Trump's campaign welcomed and accepted Russia's help. Well, yeah, it's, again, this is, you know, a normal person, if, a, if, if they thought that a foreign country was trying to help them out in an election, would probably call the FBI, but not Donald Trump. He was like, okay, cool. Uh, or, or Paul Manafort, for that matter, for obvious reasons. Number three, Trump's campaign knowingly shared information with Russian agents in the hopes of gaining political advantage. And that, there's a whole spectrum, by the way, of that from, from uh, you know, uh, intelligence provided by Israel uh, that was supposed to be top, top secret stuff, uh, you know, sharing it with, with the Russian ambassador inside the White House to, you know, a whole spectrum of other things. It's in Mueller's report. Number four, Trump covered up both the timing and extent of his business dealings in Russia. He was constantly lying to the American people about the fact that he actually was trying to build a Trump hotel in Moscow. Number five, the campaign was involved directly in soliciting and distributing stolen goods. Number six, both Trump and the campaign obstructed justice, lied to investigators, lied to Congress, destroyed evidence, and impeded the investigation in every way possible. And number seven, the only reason that Donald Trump is not currently in jail is concerns about constitutional issues related to the president, right? Be his being president. That's it. If he wasn't president, he'd be in prison right now. And Mueller basically said, okay, it's up to you, Congress. Do what you're going to do. And sure enough, Rashida Tlaib says, okay, cool, we can do that. And she has introduced articles of impeachment against Trump. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and numerous other Democrats are signing on. Keep an eye on this one, right? Keep an eye on this one. Meanwhile, we've discovered, I mentioned this toward the end of the show yesterday, that Richard Burr the Republican senator, and I believe he's the chair, yeah, he's the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Turns out he was the uh, mole, the Trump White House mole inside the FBI. He was getting information from the FBI. In fact, this is from the Mueller report. The week after Comey's briefing, the White House Counsel's Office was in contact with Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr about the Russian investigation and appears to have received information about the status of the FBI investigation. In other words, Richard Burr was, you know, channeling FBI information to Trump. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell, I mean, this is mind-boggling. Uh, remembering the links that he went to to cover up all this stuff. I mean, Mitch McConnell knew, as the, as the senior Republican in the United States Senate, he knew a year before the election, that Russians were trying to help Trump and that Trump was welcoming that help and that Trump was trying to build a hotel in Moscow. He knew this. And in the Mueller report, he lays out how Manafort got this internal polling information and listed to Oleg Deripaska that we need a little help with the battleground states, right? Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Well, who is Oleg Deripaska? Well, he's the guy that Chuck Schumer forced a vote in the Senate 
to maintain the sanctions against. He owns a steel company and an aluminum company. He's a Russian oligarch. One of those companies is Rusal, this giant aluminum company. And guess what company is building a $200 million factory in Kentucky? Just announced it last week. Just in time, Mitch McConnell just this week announced that he's running for re-election. $200 million uh, aluminum factory. It's going to mean a lot of jobs for Kentucky, right? Who's that going to help? Mitch McConnell. And what company announced that? Rusal, owned by, in part owned by Oleg Deripaska and, the, and his partner, it's co-owned by this Ukrainian-born billionaire, Len uh, Blavatnik, who donated $2.5 million to McConnell's GOP Senate leadership fund through two of his holding companies during the 2016 campaign and another a million bucks in 2017. So Mitch McConnell is up to his eyeballs in this. And then Bill Barr is inserting his own people into the Justice Department so that they can basically keep track, and not just the Justice Department, into government, Bill Barr is his, literally his own family members. His oldest daughter, Mary Daly, is, uh, is now going to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Yeah, great. Placing your family members in key positions to protect the president. Ellie Mystal writing over at AboveTheLaw.com. It's, uh, if there's anything that uh, Trump wants, it's lax financial crimes enforcement. Here again, Barr is positioning himself to know everything he needs to know to do uh, Trump a solid by placing his own family spies in key positions. And Tyler McGoy, the husband of Barr's youngest daughter, has been detailed to the powerful U.S. Attorney's Office in Alexandria, Virginia. So, you know, this is one of the U.S. Attorney's Offices that would prosecute Trump. So Barr's got one of his kids overlooking financial crimes and another one overlooking federal prosecutors in Virginia. Wow. Robert Mueller, our investigation found multiple acts by the president that were capable of exerting undue influence over law enforcement investigations, including Russian interference and obstruction investigations. So that's a clear statement. We found multiple acts by the president. This is a clear statement. We found that the president obstructed justice, so why didn't they investigate him or prosecute him? Well, again, this is from page 160 of the report. The Department of Justice has taken the position that Section 1512C2 states a broad, independent, and unqualified prohibition on obstruction of justice. So, okay, clearly, it's against the law to obstruct justice. So you did investigate whether Trump broke the law by obstructing justice. So what's the conclusion? Because we determined not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment. In other words, we're not, we're not going to prosecute somebody even if we find a crime. We did not draw ultimate conclusions about the president's conduct. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that would need to be resolved if we were making a traditional prosecutorial judgment. In other words, we could have, we could have nailed this guy's ass. You know, we could have gotten him. At the same time, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state, based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, we are unable to reach that judgment. Accordingly, this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime. It does not, it also does not exonerate him. In other words, Congress, do your thing. And Pat Leahy is saying, yeah, I'll do, we'll do our thing. We're here, we're ready. Patrick Leahy, members of the Trump campaign were not simply useful pawns in Russia's attack on our elections. They were eager, unapologetic beneficiaries of Russia's interference. They welcomed it. This is a quote from Patrick Leahy, the number two Democrat in the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee.
They welcomed it. They encouraged the release of stolen materials. They planned a press strategy around it. They not once reported it to law enforcement authorities. Then they misrepresented the facts and hid their actions from the American people repeatedly. The president's interference in the Justice Department's subsequent investigation went beyond anything that we had known. He regularly used the office of the presidency to attempt to manipulate and delegitimize one of the most critical national security investigations of our time. His lawyers promised witnesses would be taken care of if they did not cooperate with the investigation. He, he fired the FBI director leading the, the initial investigation and then attempted to fire special counsel Robert Mueller. His efforts demean the office and demean the rule of law. Lindsey Graham had some things to say about this a short while ago. Somebody on YouTube, I think I liked it this morning, who is tweeting out a video of Lindsey Graham, and I believe this is from January of 1999. So this was, January of 99 was the January of the year before the next presidential election. So roughly the exact same time as now, you know, within three months, two and a half months of now, in the 2000 election year cycle, Lindsey Graham took to the floor of Congress to say this. So the point I'm trying to make is you don't even have to be convicted of a crime to lose your job in this constitutional republic. If this body determines that your conduct as a public official is clearly out of bounds in your role, because impeachment is not about punishment. Impeachment is about cleansing the office. We need to uh, play that as often as possible. <laughs> Robert in Grays Lake, Illinois. Hey, Robert, thanks for listening to Chicago's Progressive Talk. What's up? I want to kind of like make a comment about uh, the Mueller report and uh, uh, the Democrats and progressives' obsession with impeachment. Because Lindsey Graham makes a very good point. It is about cleansing the office. And with that said, we should learn what Republicans have mastered. They have a message that any Republican can echo very simply. It's about guns, freedom of religion, business freedom, free enterprise. Right. If Democrats seized on that sort of messaging, presented an offer to the American people, and then just used sort of this seedy Russian relationship, sort of a friendship with benefits, will win the election. And I'm saying that because I'm up in Lake County, Illinois, that has historically been very conservative. And my brother, when I talked to him, I was really surprised a few weeks ago. He said, I understand what the Republicans are doing, what they offer. He says, I don't understand what Democrats are about. Hmm. And he was saying that kind of like reaching out. We're, I, I would look for a better answer if I could only hear it. In yeah. this obsession with thinking you're going to put Trump behind bars, it's like, forget it. Yeah. That's not what impeachment is about. That's not how we need to win the election. We need to have a message. It's, you know, Medicare for all. Yeah. Debt-free education. And bring back good jobs. Like Correct. Yeah. And, bring, you know, and, and do that by bringing back unions. And, uh, you Correct. know, and I would add, you know, break up the big corporations. But that's not, that, you know, that's too erudite. You know, that's not going to fly. But, yeah, I think that we need, we need to boil it down to three <laughs> simple things. Frankly, the Progressive Caucus has done a good job of that. Debt-free college, which is a fairly broad spectrum, by the way. For that, that would range from absolutely free college to, you know, zero interest student loans. Debt-free college, Medicare for all, or at least health care for all. And, you know, bring back good jobs. You know, it's... it's Living it, wages, is it... 
because anybody can grasp it. I talk to any Republican. I got, I'm in a band, and I got a drummer who's very conservative. And I talk about crony capitalism and how the working people who produce everything are getting screwed. He immediately understands it. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, 90% of all the jobs that have been created since 2009, 90% of all the jobs that have been created since 2009 are temporary jobs. Yeah, I mean that's mind-boggling. We've got we've got this incredibly low unemployment rate, but you know wages are not going up. Typically, if you look at the history of the of this country, or frankly any country, what you see is that when you get below four four or even five percent unemployment rate, when you get that low, where it's relatively easy for people to find jobs or hang on to jobs that they have then what starts happening is what's called wage inflation. P- people start demanding higher, higher wages and or they start moving, you know, moving jobs to get higher wages. And that's not happening right now. It's, it's literally the first time in the history of the United States that we've been in an economic expansion where unemployment's been below 5%, where wage inflation is not happening. And the reason why it's not happening is, is, is uh, there's multiple pieces to it, but the main part of why it's not happening is that the majority of these new jobs that are, that are causing, are actually not really jobs. They're, they're part-time gig jobs. And those people are reporting themselves as employed, but they're not really employed. If you're driving Uber, you're not really employed. You know, you're running right. your own little small exactly. business, but you know, you, you know, it's technically, you're not, you're not, you're not employed. FedEx, you know, they, they lease their employees. I mean, you know, company after company, uh, uh, Apple. Apple only has 88,000 actual employees in the United States, but over a million people in the United States draw a paycheck that you could say is from Apple. Company after company is doing this. They're basically hiring temp and part-time people. And when you combine that whole gig economy thing with the fact that we've gone from 2% of Americans having to sign non-compete agreements in 1980 to almost 45% of Americans signing non-compete agreements now, and, and in some sectors it's in 80 and 90% now, what these non-compete agreements do is they prevent people from moving from job to job in order to get better pay. And they used to use them to protect secrets, you know, they were, they were popular in high-tech industries. And by the way, they're illegal in California, which is one of the reasons the Silicon Valley once prospered. But, but now they're being used in the fast food industry. They're being used in minimum wage jobs. And the majority of people sign these non-compete agreements on their first day of work. They don't even know that it's going to be a condition of their employment. Sometimes they don't even realize what they're signing. They're just given like 20 sheets of paper. Oh, here's your health insurance. Here's your, you know, just sign all this stuff. And the result of all these things, when you combine them, is that wages are not going up. And people know that. And so bringing back good jobs, bringing back good pay. And of course, you know, the death of unions, a big piece of that too. But as you well know, I mean, it was your point. The explanation that I just gave is way too long for a bumper sticker. So it needs to come back to bring back good jobs. We'll be back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Or more looking forward. I like the idea that any any political slogan that says again is doomed. Uh, Looking forward, create good jobs. You know, Louise and I just got back from Mexico, and uh, we took a week's vacation uh, with my brother and his family, but it was also a week that I could finish up writing this, this book on voting that I've been working on. And while we were there, uh, my brother-in-law, or my brother and sister-in-law rented a house that we all shared, and it, it, it had, you know, a, a Wi-Fi that was kind of public Wi-Fi. And, uh, you know, going to town, there's public Wi-Fi. At the airport, there's public Wi-Fi. Pretty much everywhere I was, I didn't know, you know, whether it was secure or not, but I was not concerned. 
because Louise and I both use ExpressVPN. I have it on my iPhone. I have it on my computer. I, she, Louise has it on her laptop. I have it on my laptop. Uh, she has it on her iPad. Uh, ExpressVPN, it's one click. It secures and anonymizes your internet browsing. In fact, when we were in Mexico, uh, if it, you know, it, it would have looked to any website pretty much like we were in the United States because the ExpressVPN uh, apparently was just dropping our data and you know encrypted from where we were in Mexico right into the United States, you know, into a main pipeline and uh, completely safe, completely secure. Uh, with Ex ExpressVPN, I can surf any Wi-Fi without worrying about my personal data being stolen. And it's less than seven bucks a month. For less than seven dollars a month, you can get the same protection that Louise and I have. And Ex ExpressVPN has been rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can protect your online activity now and get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash T-H-O-M for three months free with a one-year package. This is a product. I love endorsing this product. I actually use it. ExpressVPN is something you should have. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M, to learn more. And thanks for supporting our program. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Greg, in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Greg, it says here you want to d disagree with me, so you go to the top of the line. What's up? <laughs> I just wanted to ask a question. I, I wanted to know why is it that everyone who is supposedly so outraged by this um, attempt by the Russians to interfere with the elections, um, why they're not outraged by at the Obama administration? Because all this stuff started years before Trump was even thinking about running for president, and the Obama administration didn't do anything. And not only that, but Hillary Clinton, she was out there sharing her emails out, you know, open openly to to be hacked. And I don't really believe that the Russians didn't think about hacking her emails until all of a sudden Donald Trump got up on the podium and said. And if you're listening, Russia, you need to go after her emails. I really think that if there are any kind of a spy agency, they probably were doing that long before Donald Trump suggested it. May well be, but the uh, the Mueller report indicates that there's a, you know a fairly large body of proof that the hack occurred literally the day after Trump said that. Number one, number two, yes, Obama actually was going after the Russians on a whole bunch of different levels, um, and and you know they were not at all happy about that. There were all kinds of sanctions against what they were doing, screaming alerts going off in the State Department. They, uh, frankly, I think that they should have gone more public and they should have done more. I'm with you on that. With regard to Hillary. Clinton, Clinton, you know, yeah, she had a private email server in her house. Um, George W. Bush had a private email server. It was in Kentucky. It was run by a Republican-owned company. Dick Cheney used it as well. Over five million of George Bush's emails were lost as a result of that, his, private, his use of a private email service. A number of people in the Trump administration are using private email services right now. I mean, you know, this is, you know, what Hillary Clinton was accused of, Republicans have been doing forever and are literally continuing to do right now. But, you know, with regard to the Obama administration, you know, saying, hey, there's a foreign government that's trying to mess with our elections, I think that they should have been louder, Greg. I really do. Keno in Lakeland, Florida. Oh, Keno, the moose herder guy, the Republican. Yes, I'm the moose herder Republican who, in this praise be for free speech tv today on good friday and i want to bring some glimmers of hope and renewal and reform in the republican party now you said that with earlier caller if some down 
ticket Republicans could join in against Trump. We got one, Bill Well, the former governor of Massachusetts. Please, free speech give TV, give him some publicity. And let's, I'd like to be his advisor and get him hooked up with uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin, who has a bill in order to declare Trump unfit. And as I have written in letters to the editor, they can have ex-presidents and they can have some psychiatrists. So I want Bill Weld, I want this message, I want people to get the message to him. Come in and join with Jamie Raskin on this unfit bill, and he'll be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. You know, there were 12 of them that voted against the president and his emergency powers, including uh, Mitt Romney, who I'm designating he can be the leader of the Moose Herders. So I want Bill Weld to come in and work with Jamie Raskin and and get rid of... uh, uh, Trump, retire Uncle Donnie, and then have to control, put a bit in the mouth of Mike Pence to control him so he won't be a runaway horse, but it can be done. So there is glimmers of hope, of renewal, and, and reform in the Republican Party. Any reaction, Tom? Sure. Kino, I would love to see Bill Weld replace Donald Trump at the top of the Republican ticket in 2020. You realize that Bill Weld ran as a libertarian in the last election. His, pa- his platform, what Bill Weld believes, is that Social Security should be turned over to the bank and Wall Street. Medicare and Medicaid should be shut down or turned over to United Healthcare or one of the other big insurance companies. That there should be no uh, food stamps. There should be no subsidies for any kind of public transportation. That the uh, air traffic control system should be privatized. That, uh, you know, uh, the drug manufacturers should be able to do whatever they want. I mean, you know, he's a libertarian. Um, that's why I would love to see him run as, as a Republican because it would expose this takeover of the Republican Party that's happened. This is not Dwight Eisenhower's Republican Party. This is not my dad's Republican Party. And Kino, I think you're trying to turn it back into my dad's Republican Party. And, I, you know, you got a hell of a, a, a climb. Yeah, well, hey, too. Tom, can I suggest a book that explains about how Republicans act? A new book called Sex, Power, and Partisanship by Dr. Hector Garcia. And, and, uh, okay. and that explains uh, how the, the Republicans that worship the alpha god bring cruelty to people eventually if they're not controlled uh, in, a, in a way that needs to be done. Kino. Good luck with your moose herders. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. I wish you well. Oh, my. A regular, hopeful, optimistic, enthusiastic Republican caller. I love it. I love it. I, you know, and I, I would honestly love to see the Republican Party become an actual political party rather than just shills for big corporations and billionaires. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program? All three hours of our program, anytime you'd like. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want. Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Boy, a lot going on in the world today, isn't it? Just a fascinating time to be alive. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, kind of the head progressive guy or one of the two, along with Pramila Jayapal in the House of Representatives and represents the great state of Wisconsin. And uh, his website, pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Okay, let's pick up our phone calls. Michael in Victorville, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I'd just like to ask why nobody's looking into Trump controlling the IRS. You know, he already squashed Michael Avenatti like nothing. I'm sure that's why 
all the rich people are scared of him. He'll, he'll squash them. He has the IRS in his pocket. Well, Michael, I'm not sure if I think that he's got the ability to go after individuals and things with the IRS. In fact, part of the issue we have right now is we've tried to, by law, see his tax returns with the IRS. They are right now claiming they're not going to give them to us. We've given them another amount of time with more information why it is the law. They have to do that. But I don't think he can just kind of willy-nilly go after people. So I really do believe there are safeguards in place on that front. And I think Michael Avenatti's issue was a different issue completely. So we still are going to try to get his tax records. If we don't, we're going to continue to find ways to escalate that to make sure that they comply with the law. But that's the problem. I think the real problem, really, Michael, is just whether or not the White House complies with the law that's required, and the IRS therefore follows that law. It does raise an interesting question. I mean, you know, uh, Nixon used the IRS to go after his enemies. Are the charges against Avenatti federal charges or state charges? Do you know? I don't know. No, I don't know that offhand. But yeah. what he did, though, goes beyond, I think, IRS, right? I sure. Mean, how he, sure. So that, that's why I'm not sure if I would you know, necessarily put that in the category that uh, Michael was bringing up. But clearly, if the IRS doesn't follow the law and share the taxes like they're supposed to, then they are doing something that the president wants. I just don't think he's got the ability to use it in a way that anyone should be afraid of it being misused by the president to go after someone. Yeah. Gary in Tifton, Georgia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes. Hey, Congressman Pocan. I started working knocking doors for to elect Democrats in 73 when my dad ran for election. I'm a member of the Tiff County, Georgia Democratic Party. And I'm seeing these articles about people having meetings with rich folks who want to try to stop burning. Now, I'm going to vote blue no matter who. Is there anything that you guys in the Progressive Caucus can do to address this? Because we don't need to be splitting the party with tactics. Yeah, apparently David Brock is leading this crusade against Bernie. You know, what's going on with that? Yeah, you know, I I think there's a few different surrogates going after different candidates right now. With 18 people, we're seeing a lot of it. But especially because Bernie is seen in many ways as the front-runner status, we're seeing it from some pretty high-level folks. And we also saw recently a video that Bernie uh, called out that was done by something that's affiliated with Center for American Progress and did the right thing by calling it out. They even admitted they went too far. I think any of us make a huge mistake when we attack the candidates that are running right now. We can disagree with them on any stance. But at the end of the day, we want to be unified coming out of the primaries and going into the convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so that we can beat Donald Trump. And anything short of that is hugely misguided and short-sighted. Uh, we just had a gubernatorial primary in Wisconsin where we finally beat Scott Walker. And the reason we did it is we had a unified primary where everyone treated everyone with respect, and uh, we now have a Democratic governor. So that's my hope. I think that's a far better way to advocate for your candidate rather than against another candidate. And, uh, Gary, I got my start a year earlier than you. 72, knocking on doors with my dad, also when he was running for city council. So uh, it's nice to know we've got that in common. Hey, I was knocking on doors with my dad in 64. Oh, <laughs> there you, you go. <laughs> I got you both beat. Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Tom, thank you for the town hall, and then uh, good day to Mr. Pocan. Uh, I'm going to take a little break from Trump. What I want to ask you about is, you know, the head of the uh, International Criminal Court, the chief prosecutor, her visa was revoked. She's not allowed in the U.S. I mean, she had a meeting scheduled with Amnesty International and also meetings at the U.N. about Syria, the Rohingya, and uh, Yemen to discuss issues. But her visa has been revoked, and she has an office in the 45th floor at the United Nations. Is there anything can be done to restate her visa by Congress? 
that's a good question. I don't know that answer offhand, a definitive answer, but, you know, we are seeing this across the board, not just very high-profile people who obviously shouldn't be barred, but we deal with it in our office. I'm in my Madison, Wisconsin office right now. Every single week, we've got people who are having a hard time getting here. I have the University of Wisconsin-Madison, one of the best world-class public universities in the entire country, and we've had a problem getting professors here. We've had a problem getting people here who uh, have been here previously. The process is very screwed up because of Donald Trump's directives, and the agencies know what he's getting at. So I could take a look at it a little closer, and I'm sure other people are. I just don't have a definitive answer for you, Omar. Does it boil down to, if you're trying to get a professor or bring in a speaker or something, does it boil down to if they are black or Muslim, it's hard to get them in, or is it more broadly ideological? Because I believe that this woman with the International Criminal Court, well, she was a woman. I guess that's Trump's hit list, too. Or yeah. is there a broader spectrum here of If denials? it's from a country with a large Muslim population, it's next to impossible, and yet it's still hard even from anywhere. Justin in West Hills, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Congressman, thank you so much for taking your time to speak with me, and thank you, Tom. Thank you. This is a question that I have about Bernie Sanders, actually, once again, you know, uh, Congressman, he's showing that he's unfortunately at times way ahead of the Democrats, and he proposed, he took Elizabeth Warren's plan a step further, and he's proposing to ban fracking and also new fossil fuel infrastructures and end export of fossil fuels. I agree. Bernie Sanders, if it hadn't been for Bernie Sanders, we likely would not be talking about Medicare for All in the way we are today. And there's so many other issues where he has been at the forefront. And I owe him, and I think we all owe him, a great debt of gratitude for being early out there on these issues. In the case of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her Green New Deal, that's really putting at the forefront climate change. I would argue far more than any bill that any senator has put forward on the environment. And now it's making us have a major conversation and introduce more legislation. So to that point, I agree. Bernie Sanders has once again, I think, uh, putting out legislation to make the rest talk about issues that we need to talk about. Mary in Scottsdale, Arizona, watching us on Free Speech TV. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan. Since you're a progressive, I'm wondering what you feel about the New York Times article, What to Do About Bernie, which is attended by Pelosi, Schumer, McAuliffe, and now they're pushing Pete on us, and the majority of the country wants Bernie, and I'm just wondering how you feel about that, and how do we fight back, and how can you, as a progressive, help us fight back so they don't steal the election from Bernie again? Yeah, Mary, thank you. So I want to say this, I've said this in local interviews, i said this in national interviews. Um, right now, I'm not endorsing anyone yet. I'm trying to make sure they all look at progressive issues. But I think whenever we go and unfairly criticize another candidate, you can have value, you know, real criticism over issues. But when we do the unfair attacks, the organized attacks uh, against someone who could very likely be a nominee, uh, that is not in anyone's best interest. In Wisconsin, we just had a gubernatorial primary. Everyone did a clean campaign pledge. We came out of this beating Scott Walker by the smallest of amounts, but we beat Scott Walker because we were unified, and that's how we beat Donald Trump. And I think for anyone to decide what candidate is not worthy is a huge mistake, because I would argue many of the issues that progressives talk about right now in Congress are issues that Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, for example, have started. And other candidates are also have a lot of good and bad stances, but I hope that we don't try to bring someone down rather than promote your own candidate. I think that's the best way for all of us to look at this. Russ in Romulus, Michigan. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, 
first thing I want to talk about is the tax withholding. It seems like there's a mandate on that, that if you don't withhold enough, you're going to get fined. They waived it this year, but next year you're going to get fined if you don't withhold enough. We didn't have enough withholding, and a little flag came up and said, next year you would have been, if it was the same, you would have been fined over $300. And why isn't Congress throwing that back in Trump's face that they've put that basically a mandate on taxes? That's all I want to say, and I'll watch on television for your comment about it. Well, thank you, Russ. So first of all, that provision's not new. I think that's been in the tax code. But the point I think you're making, which is very, very well taken, is that under a new tax law, a lot of promises were made to people. And now I think they found out when they filed their taxes last Monday, they were lied to by the Republicans and by the president. One, they were told the average American family would get a $4,000 pay increase. And that didn't happen anywhere. Then they went to get their refunds and realized that many people had to pay in because they lost some of the deductions that working people have in order to make sure that we could lower the corporate rate and lower the taxes on the wealthiest so that 83% of the money in eight years goes to the top 1%. And finally, you know, I think they completely failed to ever talk about adding $1.9 trillion, that's trillion dollars, to the deficit in order to give all that money to the wealthiest. So every time they tell us there's not money for Social Security, security or for health care or infrastructure or anything else, they're lying because they had enough money to give that money to the wealthiest through tax expenditures. And for someone to be penalized when we're still trying to understand this tax scam they passed on us, I do agree with you, Ross. We should make sure that people aren't penalized at least for another year or two while we figure out exactly what they all did. Mark in San Francisco, listening on Real Talk 910 AM. Mark, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, Congressman and Tom, you know, I'm really upset about this tax scam. And the other part of it is they want to cut Social Security, Medicare to pay for some of this scam that they pulled on the American people. And I think the Republican Party should pay a high price for ripping off the American people like they did. The Democrats need to really hammer home what they've done to the middle class and poor over this tax scam. Yeah, Mark, I completely agree. In fact, another thing, if I can, because I think this is the week people just paid taxes, many of them, and they're realizing what happened. And, you know, they're lied to on the $4,000 pay increase, lied to on all this other stuff. If you're a working electrician in anywhere in the country, but I had a conversation with someone in Rochester, Minnesota. He is a union electrician. He lost his ability to deduct his travel is paying for tools for his union dues, all things that were deductible as business expenses. He ran his taxes for last year with his accountant under the same program that they were for last year's taxes, and he paid $3,000 more based on that. That's the stories we're hearing all over, where average people either saw so very little or wound up paying more so that the wealthiest could actually get the majority of this money, and now we've doubled the number of corporations that have paid no taxes in this country. When you start doing that, it's going to somewhere. And either that means you and I pay more in taxes or they're going to go to austerity and say, you've got to cut all these programs. And no matter what, they win and we lose. Yeah. And it looks like they're doing both. Exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. His website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at rep, as in representative, R-E-P, rep, Mark Pocan. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. One of our sponsors is the X Chair. And I got to tell you, they've got this new thing, Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support. They're called DVL. The X Chair's DVL is really designed to adjust for you. I mean, you know, the average chair, maybe it goes up and down, right? This thing really is totally customizable. Whether you're 5'2 and 110 pounds or 6'4 and 250, the X Chair actually 
will adapt itself to you. And now with the introduction of the X Basic model, there's an X chair for every body type and every budget. Take advantage of the X chair's new financing option to pay as little as 30 bucks a month to take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. And X chair is also on sale now for $100 off. So just go to X chair Tom, T H O M, X chair Tom.com, X chair Tom, or call 1 844 4X chair. Comes with a 30 day no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. And if you use the code X wheels over at X chair Tom.com now, you'll also receive a free set of the new X wheels with your chair. That's X chair Tom, T H O M, X chair Tom.com. Hi, this is Tom Hartman. We just put up a new rant for our show's supporters about veganism, about the body having an internal set point, and this whole idea of a get-ready-for-winter response, sort of like squirrels have. You know, in the fall, they know to start adding to their body fat and bulking up their weight because winter's coming and there's going to be a lot less food available. We've developed a similar mechanism through the millions of years or hundreds of thousands of years of human evolution, particularly as we've traveled, you know, across Africa and other continents where food may be scarce parts of the year from drought or from, you know, periodic dry spells or rainy spells or winter and things like that. And it's a fascinating concept that all ties back in. So you can check it out. More information is available at patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Mark in San Diego. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, guys. Listen, Congressman, it's my understanding that if Congress starts impeachment proceedings, you guys automatically get that unredacted report, don't you? Or am I wrong about that? I actually don't know that offhand. I do. Uh, Mark, you do? Yes, I do. The specific law that Barr is referring to says that grand jury testimony, this is the 6E exception, yes. that grand jury testimony can only be released to judicial proceedings. Right. In other words, another court looking at the same evidence could request that information, directly request it from the judge, and the judge can decide whether or not to release it. Right now, without a judicial, in quotes, judicial mm -hmm. proceeding, Congress is in a kind of secondary position when it comes to asking a grand jury or a judge for a grand jury to release something. But uniquely, an impeachment hearing is considered a judicial process because in the House, it's an indictment. In the Senate, it's an actual trial. That is a legal judicial process, and that immediately gives Congress the ability to subpoena all kinds of things that otherwise would not be available to them. And then also anything that would infringe on the privacy and reputation of peripheral third parties. And so right. there's still lots of areas, Mark. I, I totally agree that there are a lot of places they could redact. I'm just not sure if that one step alone will get us everything or will they throw things into other buckets. That's part of what we got to get at. Amen. i got to stop saying that. I'm sorry. It's church day. Michael in Princeton, Minnesota, you're on the air with Congressman Pokey. I guess it's Holy Week. Thank you, gentlemen. My wife, my daughter, and I, we all work with people that have mental problems, including families that are dysfunctional. I just can't imagine what it is that Trump is doing to these kids. If they don't get psychological help within about 10 years, they're going to turn around and be exactly what it is that Trump is touting about these immigrants. And I hope to heck there's no talk at all when the Democrats take power that there's any talk at all about a pardon. Thank you. 
Yeah. You know, Michael, I'll tell you, I completely agree. I think I might have put the worst thing I've seen Donald Trump do is what he's doing to people who are bringing children at the border and separating them and then losing them. And the way he's treating people, it's going to be permanent damage for people. We've heard this over and over and over from physicians who've told us who deal with mental health. We probably shouldn't have, you know, doing absolutely nothing to deal with the situation in Palestine. In the Middle East, for example, we were told if you solved that peace between Israel and Palestine, you'd probably take away the single greatest thing that was driving people to al-Qaeda. And we've been told that from people in the region. So, so often we make these bad mistakes by our actions. And the action that the president has of separating children and families at the border will have lifelong negative effects. And you hope it doesn't turn them against this country. And then we've got a whole new group of people, unfortunately, that we're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Clive in Seattle. Quick question for Congressman Pocan. Just a quick statement, Tom. Watergate prosecutor Jill Weinbanks was just on Stephanie's show, and she says the way to go around all the impeachment process is to go after the Foreign Hostiles Act, which was the Russian interference in the election, and you can get the full report, including grand jury information for Congress. Clive, I will look at that. I think a lot of folks, trust me, our committee staffs are looking at all this right now. Congressman, the last half minute we have here, thoughts on the coming week? Uh, you know, this is another week, this week and next week, that members of Congress are home. So like you mentioned, Tom, I'm doing two town hall listening sessions in my district. I've got four more next week. Most, I think, or at least a lot of members of Congress are doing that during this two-week period. Go and be heard and let them know, especially if you're not happy with what gets released. Hold the Republicans accountable to make them be accountable. And this is your opportunity for face-to-face -face interaction with your member of Congress or Senate. So call their office and find out where they're doing town hall. Absolutely. If they're not, ask them why they're not, because they're home for two weeks. Yeah, there you go. And the number for Congress is 202-224-3121. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Tom, as always. Appreciate it. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Always great having you on. Congressman Mark Pocan, pocan.house.gov. And you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Let's find out what's going on in the world today. Uh, this report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Ellen Ratner's new book on the line with us is the chief foreign correspondent for Talk Media News based in New York, Luke Vargas, who also does a two-minute podcast every day. Uh, Luke, uh, Mike Pompeo is reacting to North Korea. What did the North Koreans say and what did Pompeo say? They announced that they had tested one of these new tactical weapons, a flight test, which is not a violation of the moratorium that the country had imposed on itself against missile tests or other nuclear tests, but I think is being interpreted as a reminder of the fact that this country, North Korea, is ready to take a pretty hard line uh, tack if the U.S. continues. So this is a reminder, not a provocation. Some approach. Yeah, I think it's a it's a reminder. Hey, you know, we we're happy to go back to being a provocateur. And I think they have a right to feel comfortable going back to that if they want, given the diplomatic cover I think they've now got from China and from Russia. But they paired this test yesterday with some comments that I think are a little bit more of a relevant warning, which was to basically say, to President Trump, hey, get Mike Pompeo and Stephen Began, who's the U.S. negotiator for, for North Korea, out of there. Uh, the, the quotes from North Korea were rather stunning. The Reuters uh, reporter for the Korean Peninsula had a, a great thread going through the exact language using, but they basically blame Pompeo 
for having meetings with Kim Jong-un and then misrepresenting the positions of North Korea back to Trump, saying that he was talking nonsense. He was, quote, spouting reckless remarks that hurt the dignity of our supreme leadership and revealed his mean character, end quote. I mean, I think this is a pretty clear effort, as we've seen multiple times from the North Koreans, to try and get the entire talks with the U.S. out of the hands of every professional diplomat or negotiator and right just be a leader-to-leader discussion. I mean, given the flowery language that President Trump has used to describe Kim Jong-un and vice versa, you can totally see why they prefer to deal with him as opposed to anyone else who has a little bit longer of a view of this process and is trying to hold down red lines. Uh, And I think, you know, it's going to put Trump in one of these positions again to have to argue to North Korea that they have to keep respecting his envoys. But we haven't seen evidence that Trump is willing to do that. Bear in mind, there were a lot of warning signs going into the Hanoi summit earlier this year that Mike Pompeo and Stephen Began, the U.S. representative, were being basically boxed out of meetings, that they were being ignored, that they were having you know to wait for hours to speak to North Korean officials. And then when they met, they basically said, we don't even want to talk to you. The U.S., you know, President Trump should have made the decision, I think many people would say, to have pulled the plug on Hanoi at that point and said, look, if you're not going to actually talk to any of the officials in my administration who have a concept of the kind of hard work that needs to be done to move towards denuclearization, then I won't give you the benefit of a summit. And Trump didn't do that. Uh, So here, the North Koreans seem to suggest he should do that again. I doubt we'll see a change from the president, but it shows you, I think, how confident the North Koreans are in their position, that they're flexing in these two different ways at once this week. When the North Koreans say that uh, Mike Pompeo, of all people, is too smart for us, we want to deal with the stupid guy, (laughs) you know you've got a problem. Um, Tell me about extinction, extinction rebellion. I I listen to the BBC podcast every night. It's how I get to sleep every night. And uh, they've been doing a really good job of covering this group that has basically shut down London repeatedly now. They've literally glued themselves to the top of buses or something like that. They've done all sorts of things. They've glued themselves to the tops of trains. They have snarled traffic yesterday at Oxford Circus. I believe today the Waterloo Bridge crossing the Thames near London Bridge was shut down. And for most of the day, there was an attempt to try and basically close down Heathrow Airport that didn't come to fruition. But this is day five now of what this uh, student-led protest group says is going to be two weeks of interference efforts across the United Kingdom. I mean, it's, it's, I think, a different style of protest than the one we saw with the climate walkout earlier this year. You know, these people are saying no more business yeah. as usual. Exactly. I, I talked to a few uh, experts yesterday, and I guess your listeners may hear one in just a second on, on the world in two minutes, in which, you know, there's a sort of thing, the energy of this group is terrific. But, you know, a successful protest movement will always do two things. They will say that something's an emergency. That's important. But they also need to make a bigger moral argument for why the activity that's current currently going on, and this would go back to, you know, to slavery, to civil rights, to all sorts of other uh, injustices that are being fought is a moral hazard that, you know, it is, is some people profiting off of a system while others suffer. And I very much argue climate change fits into that mold. The, the folks, folks I talked to suggest that this movement, the Extinction Rebellion, is not quite there yet, that it's a little bit too much disruption, a little bit too less on the moral argument that is usually one of the necessary things to make to bring the broader public into the conversation and get people yeah. engaged. But I have to say, I love the visibility this group is getting. Yeah. And it appears that they are inspiring protests in France, too. We saw basically a shutdown of, of various 
of Total Energy's headquarters today in Paris and some of the electric utilities in the country. So something's going on. I mean, I'm not quite I seeing think this it, could uh, go worldwide. here in the U.S. But it's I think this could yeah, absolutely I think go worldwide. It will. It's fascinating stuff. And finally, uh, I didn't even realize that Trump had a Mideast peace envoy, this uh, Jason Greenblatt guy. But apparently he got into a, uh, a spat, the word you're using, with the prime minister of the Palestinian Authority on Thursday. I thought this was Jared Kushner's job. What's going on here? Yeah, well, I mean, who knows who's who? It, it seems to be that no one really wants to take credit for this report. Hence, the fact that it was being teased for coming out right after uh, the elections a Which few weeks report? ago, and now uh, the 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 peace plan, or rather, uh, oh, that, that Kushner's working on. Now it's just sort of been we're hearing June or July, maybe. Who one wonders if it's going to be postponed indefinitely? But Greenblatt was in a Twitter war, if you will, with the new Palestinian Authority prime minister, and basically. Uh, said, look, you know, you you are only saying give us the deal we want as Palestine or no deal. And he said that's consistent with prior attempts. How has that worked out for you, Palestinians? Do you want to lead your people to opportunity and prosperity or just keep the same old tired lines over and over again? I sort of lost it last night when I saw this. This is one of the least diplomatic things I've ever heard from someone purporting to be a mediator here. And you can totally see the Palestinian position. They are hearing from Pompeo today that he does not see how Prime Minister Netanyahu's claims of annexing all of the West Bank settlements would interfere with a peace plan. I mean, if, if your peace plan isn't going to be interfered with by such an aggressive action, it's hard to think you've got much of a bona fide peace plan at all. But again, sort of a shocking lack of diplomacy from someone purporting to be a mediator of this crisis. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. But, you know, when you figure that Jared Kushner is the guy who's supposed to be in charge of this, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Luke Vargas with Talk Media News. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. If you're like me, then safeguarding your money through market downturns is a clear priority. And frankly, we've seen enough market volatility to make any investor nervous. For people like us who think outside the box and read between the lines, it's becoming even more clear that the insider secret of accumulating physical gold is becoming a lot less of a secret and more of a trend. According to the World Gold Council, in 2018 alone, central bank gold purchases increased by over 74%. The bottom line is that we are starting to see the cracks forming in our economy. And the faster you take action, the better your opportunity. There's only one company I personally recommend in this industry, and that's the expert strategists at ITM Trading. They specialize in wealth protection and opportunity positioning. Both, as you know, are imperative in our current economic climate. Call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and hedge your bets like the top 1% do. Call one own gold That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. one own gold Tom Harbin here with you and uh, John in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. It says here you want to disagree with me. What's up? You used to talk about how Trump won the election was to interstate cross check and also gerrymander. And you even had an event. I still think those two things played a large role in his win. But you hardly ever talk about that. Now you're on this Russian collusion. Well, the Russians might have pushed him over the top. Or maybe not. I mean, all it took was some good old-fashioned voter suppression. And frankly, the Republicans are still doing that. And then, as I said earlier, you've got 40 states that are using voting machines that are no longer even manufactured. They're, they're old Windows 7 machines. And in many cases, these things are connected to the Internet, or at least the tabulators are, which is where you would go to really mess with an election. There are all kinds of things that you could combine that took Trump into the White House. Yeah, you know, with or without the Russians. Nancy in Oregon, Illinois. Hey, Nancy, what's on your mind? There's no one who wants Trump out of the office more than I do. 
and we must cleanse the office, as you said earlier. But if he's impeached, what do we do about Pence becoming president? I believe Trump should pay for his crimes, but if Pence becomes president, Trump will be pardoned. Yeah, in all probability. And there's nothing that we can do about it, frankly. Jerry Ford set a terrible precedent for this country, and it has been followed by every president since. Republicans have pardoned the crimes of their predecessors, and the Democrats have overlooked the crimes of their predecessors. Yeah, Pence would pardon Trump. I don't think, though, that Pence can win an election in 2020. Now, maybe his, you know, smarmy, sanctimonious, oh, my, I would never think of wanting to, you know, uh, give the death penalty to women who get aborted, that kind of stuff. You know, That might actually work with some Republicans, but I, I think with the general electorate, it's not going to work. Nancy, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, that's not my concern. My concern, as Lindsey Graham said, my concern is with the office. And the office is now occupied by a grifter and a criminal. And Robert Mueller's report put the period, the exclamation mark at the end of that. And by the way, Notice, Robert Mueller was only investigating two things. He was only investigating the association of Russia with the Trump campaign and their interference in our election, number one. And number two, whether Donald Trump conspired to cover that up, to obstruct justice, to prevent the investigation of that. And they found that, yeah, Donald Trump did obstruct justice, but they can't indict him because the Justice Department rules say that they can't indict a sitting president. That's right there in the report. But they did not look into financial crimes. They handed that stuff off to the Southern District of New York. They did not look into electoral crimes. You know, in fact, I don't think anybody is looking into that. Um, you know, uh, the rigging of voting machines, the suppression of the vote, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there are all kinds of things that, the, that Trump and the Republican Party have been involved in over the years that nobody's looking into. And that I think, you know, Congress needs to. And frankly, I think an impeachment hearing would bring a lot of this stuff out, Nancy. But but if he's not impeached and we he will he's toast in 2020 and then he would be out of office and he could be indicted. That's my point. Yeah. Then he could go to jail for his crime. That's what I want. He can pardon him in his last day of office. That's when Bill Clinton wanted to pardon that Mark Rich, I think his name was, the wealthy financier who was a big Clinton supporter. He did it the day before he left office, as I recall. And that's not uncommon, by the way. Typically, there's a couple hundred pardons on the last day in office, and then it takes us weeks to figure out who it all was. You know, Nancy, these are all concerns that the American people that we're all going to have to sort out. Excellent, excellent issue, though. Thank you for raising it. Let me just be very explicit very clear about my thoughts on impeachment. The Democratic Party broadly, and Steny Hoyer, I think, uh, illustrated this either last night or this morning when he said, we shouldn't do impeachment. Oh, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, and he's the number two Democrat in the House of Representatives, are basing their fear of impeachment on the fact that, and they saw this up close and personal, as Steny Hoyer was there in Congress, and so was Nancy Pelosi, that when Bill Clinton was impeached, he became more popular. His popularity rate, he went up by 10, 15 points. It was in the 60s after the impeachment was done. So, which raises the question, you know, could Trump become more popular as a result of impeachment? Well, you have to ask this simple question. What is it that happens during an impeachment hearing? During the indictment in the House of Representatives and the trial in the Senate, what is it that happens? What happens is that Congress and the American people get to learn all the dirty details about the president. So what did we learn about Bill Clinton? We learned that in the Whitewater uh, land deal that he lost $34,000. It was a bad investment. 30 years earlier. 
We learned that in Travelgate, Hillary Clinton was completely within her rights to fire uh, travel staff in the White House that she, she didn't get along with. We learned that in Rose Law Gate, that Hillary Clinton's records were impeccable. We learned, most importantly, that Bill Clinton had been having an affair on his wife, which more than half of all married men in the United States have done, that he was having an affair on his wife and covering it up. That's what we learned. And gee, what a surprise. 15 or 20% of the American electorate decided they liked him better as a consequence of that than they did before. So if we try to impeach Trump, and I would add, let's, let's toss it into this investigative basket anyway that can be done by an impeachment committee in the House of Representatives through the Judiciary Committee. I would toss Bill Barr and Mike Pence into that. What will we learn? We're not going to learn just that Donald Trump was having affairs with Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. We're going to learn about how corrupt he was as a businessman. We're going to learn about his associations with mob figures in New York. We're going to learn about his associations with oligarchs and, and dictators all around the world. We're going to learn how much he lies. I mean, we're going to learn really consequential stuff. Not that he had a fling with a 22-year-old intern who, by the way, was enthusiastic and willing and, and, and participating in it. I understand why Bill Clinton became more popular after he was impeached. A lot of Americans were looking at that going, really, you're going to impeach him over that? That's all you've got? And the Republicans were so sanctimonious. Oh, it's terrible what he did. Oh, my God, that poor young girl. And Americans were looking at that going, I thought they were both adults. Doesn't this happen all the time? I can tell you what doesn't happen all the time. People borrowing billion dollars from foreign countries after that foreign country has been essentially blackmailed. We're going to learn about Jared Kushner and what happened in Qatar. We're going to learn about what happened with Mohammed bin Salman. This stuff doesn't happen every day. This is not the stuff that every American has done. I think any Democrat who thinks that the outcome of impeaching Trump will be the same as the outcome of impeaching Clinton it has a completely ahistoric view of, of what's going on here and doesn't understand the issues. That's my take on it. Maine in Chicago. Hey, Maine, what's on your mind today? Hey, yeah, uh, I wanted to talk, you know, we're coming up, back up to uh, that electoral college. And that's oh, yeah. what I think that, that Trump and them is really counting on because he thinks that the people want him, but they don't. Two-thirds of the people do not want Trump, but he's calling, he said, uh, the, the people's uh, president and all that, but they're uh, relying on that electoral college. And yeah, he was elected with about a quarter of the, of the eligible voters in the United States voting for him, and he was nominated by his party with 12% of the eligible voters voting for him. So, I mean, that's pretty tight stuff. Yeah, and that and that's and this is what you know. They keep talking about Hillary not beating him, but they have to remember Hillary beating by three million votes. If they yep. had the popular vote, where one man, one woman, one vote. Yep. I mean, that's, yeah, that's she is the legitimate president right now, man. I'm I'm with you. Hillary Clinton is the legitimate president of the United States, in my opinion, as of this moment, on this Holy Week. Say a prayer for the world, huh? For all life on this planet. We are we are messing with the biosphere in ways that are just really, really grim. And for our political opponents. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.